Hello, and welcome. I'm your host, Broadsword, and we're here today to talk about DC Comics. This week, we're discussing the story behind Shazam! Volume 5, Number 8, written by Mark Wade with art by Goran Suzuka. This issue is cover dated April of 2024. Today is February 12th, 2024, and this is the DC Comics History Cast. Let's go! By way of introduction, this is not an attempt to tell you what to read. That's already being done elsewhere, and done well, I should add. Nor is this an attempt to review comic books, although I might do a little bit of both of those things along the way. My purpose with this podcast is to help you fill in your gaps in your knowledge so that you get the most enjoyment possible out of your DC comic books. Each week, I take one book from DC's output for that week and break down anything you might need to know about the characters, references, and events in that issue. Advance warning, there are sure to be spoilers. Out of all the characters in DC's vast library, very few have as confused a history as the being formerly known as Captain Marvel or Shazam. His life as a fictional character actually started out in comics published not by DC, or by National or All-American Comics as they were known at the time, but by another publisher altogether, Fawcett Comics. In the 1940s, during which period the character was wholly owned and published by Fawcett, Captain Marvel outsold even Superman and was the world's most popular superhero. In the 1970s, DC licensed all the Fawcett superheroes, which included Captain Marvel, and DC made further moves to become the property's sole owner by 1991. The confusion over the character's name stems from copyright issues with characters named Captain Marvel published by DC's major competitor, Marvel Comics. Sound confusing? Let me break it down a little further for you, and maybe we can all make sense of this conundrum together. As I stated earlier, in the 1940s, Captain Marvel was the world's number one superhero. The problem started when the company that would later become DC Comics got upset and claimed that Captain Marvel infringed upon their copyright of Superman. Now, to an extent, I agree that this might seem petty by today's standards, but back then there were very few superheroes who flew and had super strength and so on. Superman was the first, after all, and by that standard, any and all superheroes were copies of that original. DC's lawsuits, among other factors, forced Fawcett to cease publishing Captain Marvel in 1953. Marvel Comics started publishing under that name in the early 1960s, and it seemed obvious that the company called Marvel should own the character called Captain Marvel. So, Marvel snatched up the copyright in 1967 with the initial publication of their own superhero with the name Captain Marvel which had no relation to the original character of that name. Since the 1970s, when DC started publishing comic books featuring the original Captain Marvel, they have mostly used the name Shazam, which was originally the name of the wizard who gave the Captain his powers, in some form or other on the covers, such as 1995's The Power of Shazam series and The Trials of Shazam in 2006. With the advent of the New 52, the character's name was officially changed to Shazam. More recently, in the comic book Shazam, the character has gone by the moniker of The Captain, which strikes me as an acceptable compromise and infinitely better and more dignified than calling him Shazam. 
Now that we've got that out of the way, I want to give you a quick synopsis of the good captain and his powers. The captain's alter ego is a young kid named Billy Batson. And the powers are provided by a wizard named, as I mentioned earlier, Shazam, who funnels the abilities of several historic and fictional characters into Billy when the youngster calls the wizard's name. Those abilities are the Wisdom of Solomon from whom we get the S in the wizard's name. The H is for the Strength of Hercules. The first A is for the Stamina of Atlas. The Z is for the Power of Zeus. The second A stands for Achilles from whom the captain receives courage. And finally, the M stands for Mercury, who grants Billy his speed. Traditionally, Billy has shared his powers with his sister, Mary, and his best friend, Freddy. Post-New 52, there was a whole family of foster kids who received special abilities from Billy's association with the wizard. But now it seems that Billy is no longer sharing his abilities with anyone except for his biological sister, Mary who is once again a hero after turning to evil in the final crisis right before the New 52. This issue picks up immediately where the previous issue left off with the captain and his arch nemesis, the sometimes hero against sometimes villainous Black Adam, facing off over the remains of the home that Billy shares with his foster family. As soon as Black Adam learned that the rubble was once Billy's home, the anti-hero flies off, leaving the captain to deal with the aftermath which consists of some paperwork-obsessed dinosaurs from outer space who are promising that they will attack Earth if they don't get their auditor, who is seeking asylum from his repressive culture. Billy and his friend, the anthropomorphic tiger Talkie Tawny, survey the rubble, bemoaning everything that their foster family had lost, and the captain flies away to inform his family of their housing situation. That discussion goes about as well as one might expect, with Billy's foster father requesting that the captain change to Billy and then revealing that the family will likely be broken up if they have no place to stay. The gravity of the situation hits Billy hard, and he changes back to the captain in order to gain access to Solomon's wisdom. In an effort to stall the aliens, the captain delivers his foster sister, Darla, who is, let's say, an extremely inquisitive child, to the dinosaur's spaceship and encourages her to ask some questions. While she is keeping the aliens busy, the captain speeds off to the Rock of Eternity to beg Zeus for his help with the housing situation. I should add here that the Rock of Eternity is the mystical home of the wizard's spirit and the psychic home of all those who gain powers from that entity, such as the captain and Black Adam. While Billy is involved in his discussion with Zeus, Black Adam arrives and intercedes on Billy's behalf. And before we learn how that interaction turns out, the captain rushes back to the dinosaur spaceship to pick up his foster sister, Darla. The dinosaurs, in exasperation, agree to let the auditor stay on Earth that the captain will simply take Darla and her incessant questions away, a proposition that Billy readily agrees to. Billy, Darla, and the auditor fly away to find that Zeus has repaired the house, even making it a little better than it was before and causing those who witnessed the fight to forget about the damage. In the first epilogue, Billy flies to Black Adam's ancient Middle Eastern homeland of Kandak to thank Black Adam. And then, on the following and last page of the issue, we get a prelude of the next one, which promises an appearance by one of DC's most obscure and unsung characters, the Creeper. That should be fun. For now, though, let's see what Bethany thought of this issue of Shazam. Bethany? Welcome back. What's on your mind this week? This is a fun issue. I liked this issue. Um, the whole space dinosaur thing. I really liked that. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I've only read a few things with Captain Marvel in them, but they've always been good. I think uh, I kind of felt really bad for him. I think the last thing I read him in, read with him in it anyway, uh, was with Starman. And it was when he was threatening Starman. <laughs> and right. everybody was like, get away from him. You know, he's hard. <laughs> and his feelings were so hurt. Right. You know, he's such he, a nice guy. He's such a nice guy, and he thought he was doing the right thing. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I felt so bad for him. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be a child, but, you know, have the appearance of being an adult and doing all these, taking on these adult tasks and these adult responsibilities. I said that was... And have those powers and those mm-hmm. freedoms. Imagine it would be... Really difficult and sometimes confusing, and oh, like uh, when he and uh, Star Girl. Yes, that's. I was just going to bring up that example. <laughs> uh, yeah, because everybody was like, "You can't be looking at her like that," you know. <laughs> and he's like, "But I'm only a kid," <laughs> you know. I was like, "Yeah, dude, that's creepy. Yeah, it, it looks creepy. You can't do that." Uh, but yeah, I can just all of those issues, and then you know. To deal with people like Black Adam and, you know, and I don't know where we are here um, because I, I never, I always have a, a hard time with uh, what in the past has been left with this new iteration and, and what's what's left, you know, what's gone. Mm-hmm. Mary Marvel uh, and I uh, disagreed on how she was. You had a falling out with Mary Marvel. I had a falling out with Mary Marvel over her <laughs> Turning to the evil side. So, yeah, I, I really disliked her in that. Now she's, you know. She's on the side of right again. Right. It never happened. What did you think of this issue? I thought it was fun. Okay. I, I agree. That was the, if I had to sum it up in one word, that this whole series, in fact, would be, that word would be fun. This whole Mark Wade's run on Shazam has just been fun. And you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but all the characters seemed totally intact as far as their personalities and as far as the way they do things uh like black adam's reaction to was was dead on i thought i thought so too and i think that that can be owed to mark wade who who is a fan of old comics yeah so i think he's trying to return stuff to the way not not to make a jarring change but just to be in the vein, like even even how fun it is, is a nod to the old Captain Marvel comics when C.C. Beck was drawing the book. Because uh, it, this was fun. The last few things that we had gotten into before all of this this change, um, you know, Mary Marvel oh, and right. um, some of the crises and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a lot of fun. So it, was, it got pretty dark. It can, and I don't mind that, but a lot of people have a problem with that. (laughs) Me. (laughs) I know, I know. Me, I'm like, the world's dark enough. I don't need any more darkness. But but at the same time, you know, I've learned from you that sometimes the dark dark stories do bring out sometimes the most profound and deep stories. I think that's true. But... Which is something that appeals to me a great deal. I do like more brevity than you do. And and I don't mind dark, but I like dark broken up by some humor too. And a right. lot of times they'll go way too long without having something light. Did you have any questions about the issue? 
have the dinosaurs ever appeared before, or is this a new? Just, just like in the first issue of the story. Okay. The other thing is, um, who is this kitty cat? Talkie Tawny. Yes. Was back in the day. Was um, maybe his mascot. Has he been there before? Yeah, I don't he, remember him. He's an him. old old school character. Um, he was even in the same story where Mary Marvel went bad. He was in Final in Final Crisis. He was in Final Crisis, fighting I, against Calabac and his and Calabac's tiger guys. Oh, oh, maybe. And they had a they had a really knock down drag out fight. It was a really wicked fight. Yeah, I <laughs> have a vague recollection. I have a very vague recollection. <laughs> um, but okay. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was, um, now we've talked about it, and now I don't... Did he ever... I don't remember him actually going to Zeus personally. I remember him always going to Shazam. Shazam is dead. Okay. Is that why he gets to go to Zeus personally now? Well, I think that's part of it, yeah. Yeah, because before I always thought, you know, Shazam was always the, uh, what do you call him, gatekeeper. Yeah, yes. You know, you, you didn't get to go just talk to Zeus. Right. You went through Shazam, and then Shazam talked to Zeus. Right. You know, but now that you got an open door policy, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> in, the, in the first couple issues of this story, um, the, the gods were kind of squabbling amongst themselves over who was going to have the main influence over Billy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to tell you how that went because that would ruin the enjoyment of reading the story but but they were all it's it's been established already in this book that they're there and billy can talk to them and interact with them okay okay that's um a little bit of a change that's that is a bit of a change that is a bit of a uh 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 a lessening of tradition i guess or a change in tradition well that is actually something um in trials of shazam back when they were trying to decide what they were going to do with the Marvel family. And Billy, when Shazam died the first time and Billy was living as Shazam in the Rock of Eternity and his hair turned white and he was wearing the white costume. I always felt so bad for him for that. I felt bad for him too. But Freddie had to go to, had had to individually earn the blessing of each of the gods that supplies his powers. He ah. was going to be the new Captain Marvel. Right. And he had to individually earn those. So it's it's kind of been established in that. That he, that they had relationships with these with these gods or these beings. Because depending on how you want to characterize the gods, they can be very capricious. Exactly the word I would use. Uh, and that could be problematic because you know, yes, one minute they like you, and the next they're like, boom, gone. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, we see some of that with Zeus in this issue. Yeah, uh, it was Black Adam that changed his mind. I think so, and which is just perfect for Black Adam because people forget. The shades of gray in Black Adam's character, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, he is... You try to make him either black or white, and he's not black or white. He's very gray. He's very gray, and he does have a lot of redeemable qualities. And when he goes to the dark side, man, does he go to the dark side. Yes, he gets very dark. It's, it's like, whew, dude, you know? But when he's on point, you know, when he's... Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing, He's man. a good guy. Yeah, you you definitely want him on your cor- in, on your side. Yeah. Um I haven't seen that uh the movie Black Adam. I haven't either. So I don't know what he's like in that at all. Well, I think that it um 
I haven't seen the movie, like I said, but my understanding is that it owes a lot to Jeff John's run on JSA when Black Adam and Adam Smasher invaded Kandak and and tried to free the land. Yeah. You know the story I'm talking right. about? I think it, I think it's roughly based on that. You know, he always talks a good game. Black and, Adam? Yeah. Yeah. And you always think he's he's on the side of the right, you know, when he's on his doing his thing and then it just goes so wrong. Yeah. You know, bit by bit it starts going into, you know, Okay, this is not cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, it gets he it gets, gets more worse and more and worse twisted and, worse. and skewed. Yeah, I liked the part in this where the little girl was talking to the dinosaurs. I liked that too, and it surprised me because the little Darla is from the New Fifty Two. She's not an old character, right? And so, and so the way that that Mark Wade has been able to blend the newer stuff with the traditional stuff, really good. I mean, it's this is the way you move a move a character and a story forward, right? The best thing to do when you want to blend something is to have meaning behind the the new that adds to the old. Two things in this sequence impressed me. The first one was that the dinosaurs didn't try to hurt Darla or kill her or anything like that. They were very patient with her, and answered her questions, or tried to answer her questions, even when they got frustrated. And the second thing was that Billy knew they wouldn't try to hurt her or he would not have left her with them. Exactly. So so he knows his adversaries and he knows that the dinosaurs are good guys at heart. What, what I think is interesting about Billy, too, is that he doesn't have the attributes of the gods. When he's not in his when he's not in, form. So, like, if he wants to be smarter or have more wisdom, he has to change into... Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, in order to, to access, access the Solomon, right? I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, he's a fascinating character, no doubt. He absolutely is. I also, speaking of the dinosaurs, I liked how, you know, they were talking about, you know, planting charges around the earth, you know, to whatever. And then they're like, well, just, if we shouldn't attack all the innocents. You know, let's just give them another chance. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't immediate annihilation or their right. version of annihilation right you know um but we're kind of used to stupid stuff from the powers that be anyway yeah you know so being inundated with a bunch of paperwork <laughs> it feels right at home yeah it's uh that's par for the course yeah <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a funny story it is a it funny is. a funny aspect to the story i should say yeah and probably just a smidge of Social commentary there I with think the so. dinosaurs. I think so. You know, very exaggerated, but mm-hmm. still. Well, and they're dinosaurs. Right. They're stuck in the past. Right. That's a good good observation. I like that. That's it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in, and make sure you come back next week for more of the DC History Cast. Take care. <laughs>